0: It's great to be with you this morning. Um, what a great passage. Uh, when uh, Serge sends out new workers, missionaries, we use the term workers to be secure, but when we send out new missionaries, right before they leave, we gather them together in a week that we call launch week. And in that launch week, this is a passage that I will uh, uh, give to them as they are headed out. This is Christ just resurrected. Uh, He has seen uh, Mary Magdalene. She has taken glad tidings back to the uh, disciples. They didn't believe a word she said. Uh, You know, Uh, after all she's just a woman, what do you know? Uh, And so uh, Uh, The disciples were gathered, there are ten of them, we know that Thomas wasn't there, we know that Judas was gone, and here they are for fear, really of their lives, from the same people that had tortured to death, a man they loved uh, just a day or so before, and uh, they are in grief, they are lost, everything that they gave up and left seems to have been lost and their hopes were dashed, their friend was gone, uh, many of them were contemplating going back to their former occupations, they were in complete disarray and <clears throat> honestly, it sounds a lot like the church today. Can I get an amen? Amen. It does. And one of the questions that faces you and I this morning, you and me this morning, is can we look past the circumstances, the disruption, the polarization, and the difficulty to see the kingdom of God on the march today? Can we see the spiritual realities behind the turmoil and distress that we all feel and we can't escape? Is there something more going on? What is Christ doing? How is he shaking the world for the progress of the kingdom? And so as we look at this passage, I'd like you to notice that it has two pieces. One piece where Christ addressed the disciples and their need and their distress. And then the second piece where he gives them the message and the power to take that peace to the world. You know, you read the news, many of you are in social media, and you know that in our nation, finance and the economy is in turmoil, uh, or at least in question, people are polarized in a way I don't ever remember. Uh, even I'm a child of the 60s, and I don't remember it being that this bad then. Uh COVID is still debated and uh, hospitals are full and vaccines and masks are a topic of conversation everywhere you go, a topic of division. National politics are a mess. Have you noticed? (laughs) All my stars. more fear and division. Than ever Remember, the, the sad thing is it leaks its way into God's people. They listen to this. They listen to what the world says and somehow the voice of Scripture, the voice of the Gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit is not enough to keep us together. People make new divisions in the church. Denominations were bad enough, but now... Uh, Knife and denominations are enough division for us. Uh, I would say I meet people who are angry. Fearful. Blaming everything. Vaguely unsettled and aggressive in the way they respond. I meet people who are just avoiding it all. Can I get away? Can I find a quiet place? Let me stay away from all of this. Angry, avoiding, and at the same time over both, there's this miasma of anxiety in the background for very many. And so that we distract ourselves with this and that and the other. You know, the psychologists talk about fight or flight. And we're seeing that within the church. People either fighting it out or fleeing. So I'd like to pray again. I'd like to pray for us. Lord, as you stood over the storm, where the disciples did not know if you cared for them or not, and where they were worried about drowning, you said to that supernatural storm, peace, be still. And by your power and by your presence, the storm abated and the disciples were saved. Father, this morning, send your Spirit and may we hear the voice of Jesus through him, say to our hearts, peace. May we hear your message for for the world as well through us. That we might first taste ourselves of the peace that you have brought us and then become messengers, peacemakers, those who bring the gospel of peace to a world at war. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. So here are the disciples uh, gathered, uh, and it says that G- Jesus came. That Jesus came and stood among them. Well, uh, when you read John, that just sounds like okay, he came. But when you read the parallel passage in Luke, it says that the disciples were startled and frightened, and thought they saw a ghost. And that tells me he didn't come in through one of the many locked doors. That tells me he didn't crawl in through a window or somebody opened a door. That tells me he just showed up. And, uh, you know, I've been rebuked for this. But I think it's because people, you know, they kind of put this uh, pastel coloring over the New Testament but I think there was probably some hopping around and hollering in that room. (laughs) You know, it's just like, and some of these guys were sailors. You kind of wonder (laughs) what was going on. (laughs) And scared so badly they couldn't believe what they were seeing. And as you compare the passages, there's this conversation that comes out of it where Christ is having to prove who he is and so he shows them here are my hands here's my side the disciples in Luke it says he, he said give me something to eat I'm not a ghost as you suppose And he eats so they r- realize that though his body is different he is alive and he is with them. And he takes and he and he's starting to believe. What, what a strange way for Christ to comfort those men and women he loved. It says that the disciples, uh, I don't think we should suppose that there were just ten people there. I believe Mary Magdalene may have been there. Other disciples, it wasn't just the ten. <clears throat> As far as I can tell, he showed, what what were these disciples afraid of? Of course they were afraid of what they saw happen to Jesus. Tortured, humiliated, beaten to death. And the same people were prowling and looking for them. No wonder they were hiding. And so what does Christ show them to comfort them? The very signs of his torture. How is that possibly comforting? What an ironic way for him to comfort them. Look, the marks they put on me are still evident. How is that comforting? What, what an odd, odd way to, to try and bring uh, some peace to troubled people. Because in those scars, not only did they recognize marks that were undeniably Christ, but they also recognize, I hope, the sacrifice had been made that god had received the sacrifice for their sins and raised christ from the dead as a sign of his approval as a sign of the reconciliation they now had with their father that the sacrifice of christ was enough to cover all their sins that their father in heaven was pleased that christ rose Victorious from the grave and now stood before them in the body that they would one day have. A body like his. Imperishable. Forever. And there's some comfort in that. There's some peace in that. I remember, I hadn't thought about this till just now, but I remember years ago in another town where I started at church. I would go to the home, old folks, home, people my age. <laughs> <laughs> there was a woman that was, I had Bible studies and made friends, and this one old lady, I forgotten her name, I'll say Margaret, I don't remember, but Margaret died, and she had no local family, and they did her funeral in the funeral home, in the funeral parlor, and had her in a casket, and family flew in from New Jersey or some other godforsaken place, and, <laughs> you know, none of them were believers, and I was standing there at the foot of the casket, and I, I looked at those people, and I just sort of threw away my notes, and I said, Margaret wants your heart to know that Jesus she loved that Jesus she loves, because one day she will get up. And when I said that, everybody in the room looked to me like I had lost my mind. (laughs) But that's the promise. It's not just some disembodied spirit before God, but a new body in a new heaven and a new earth. And I believe if that reality is rushing toward us, at the speed of light. And one day we'll hear a trump. We will hear a cry. And we will be raised to new life. And all of that present in the Jesus that shows up to the disciples and says, peace be to you. And as you contemplate the resurrection, as you think about what he has done, I want to say something to you. Peace. In the name of Jesus, peace be on you. Let your heart take that and be comforted. The one who is risen has sent his spirit of peace into this room. And the spirit of God bears fruit in your heart. And the fruit of the spirit is love Joy. Say it with me. Peace. Amen. The desire of God is that your heart, even in this turmoil, which is nothing like the disciples faced, which one among you is liable to be tortured to death in the next hours? And Christ shows up in this crisis that these men and women faced and says to them, peace. He is taking care of their hearts. He wants them to know the peace that one day will reign the world. He wants them to be carriers of that unlikely peace, of that peace that doesn't match what goes on around us of that peace that does not have an earthly source, of that peace that is from outside, that is supernatural, that is born in the heart of believers by the Spirit of God, peace. Oh God, turn our hearts from all the other distractions and give us your peace. Romans five one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith in Jesus, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, in Ephesians, chapter two, verse fourteen, for He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility between Republicans and Democrats by by abolishing the law of commandments that he might create in himself one new person in the place of two. The promise of peace not only of us with God is in Romans 5 But here in Ephesians, the promise of peace between us, despite earthly and physical differences. So that Christ makes us one. And the world looks and says, that doesn't seem right. How can they get along? That is the testimony of the peace and the unity of Jesus Christ. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives. Do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Again from John 16. I have said these things to you. That you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, uh, uh, the passage goes on. He showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I want you to know it took a minute, didn't it? In the middle of their confusion and turmoil, when he showed up, it took a little bit of time for them to realize who they were looking at, what it meant and then once they saw him by faith once they saw him as he was the scripture says they were overjoyed what is it that occludes your sight of the person and the love of jesus i'm going to ask you sometime today to do something odd Get a pen or a pencil and a blank page and write down every fear. Every anxiety, just list it. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with your God. He already knows. Just make it tangible. Say it to yourself. Own it. Recognize it. And then I'm going to encourage you in a practical way, how to take hold of the peace that Christ has given. I want to read to you from Paul, who I believe is helping us with passages like this. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, when he says, Do not be anxious about anything. Does that even sound possible? You know, we, we, it's like we let Scripture live in some otherworldly place that doesn't have anything to do with my heart. What Jesus, what Paul is saying to me is, Josiah, you don't have to live with sharp anxiety, real fears, and vague worries. Be anxious for nothing. What should I do? But in everything, by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be n- made known to God. You know that list you just made? Take it to it. the God who loves you. Help me. For Jesus' sake, who died for my sins and who sent his Spirit, help my heart to trust you rather than to worry. To believe that you're in this with me. To believe I'm not alone. Here's the list. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a promise. I'm encouraging you, this is what I say to workers who have left their homes, who are leaving family, who are headed abroad, some to dangerous places, who are putting themselves purposefully in privation, in harm's way, We've had to evacuate people this year. One family that we evacuated, the rebels were overrunning the hospital where the doctor and his family served. We got the family out, really just just ahead of the incoming soldiers, incoming rebels, both groups meeting at this small town. As the family fled, when the doctor himself tried to leave, they said, I'm sorry, you tested positive for COVID. You have to uh, shelter in place. And so his family went on without him. As Patrick stayed and recovered. And by the grace of God, he joined them later. And by God's grace, we got them back to the States. Talked to Patrick a week ago. Do you know he, what he said to me? You know what he said to me, don't you? When can we go back? When can we go back? Family in North India, in a hidden valley where we've seen conversions among a people that we can find no history of conversions among baptisms and house churches and uh, through a clinic. And the clinic was shut down because of COVID and there were so many people sick. And so when I talked to the doctor and his wife, who was a nurse, they said, we'd like to leave. There's a place where there's more need and greater illness down the road and i was trained to take care of an emergency room and i would like to to go we want to serve where it's worse and i said why and they quoted philippians they said the bible says to die is gain and i said i will let you go but you have to quote the first part of that verse to live as Christ to die as gain and we laughed together on the phone and they said yes we'll take the precautions we can and they went to a harder place why because in their hearts is the peace of God that allows them to follow him where he leads Christ did not end his time with the disciples there. He says it again. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And the commentaries, and I believe that what he is actually saying here, this is the message of the gospel. Peace to you from God. Peace to you. And and when you look at the formation, when you look at how the gospel is sounded elsewhere, let me just pick, I've got a whole bunch of them, but let me just pick one. uh, As one of the uh, disciples preaching said, and he commanded us to preach, to the people I've lost my my reference here, let's see Ephesians two fourteen. for he himself is our peace who has made us both one broken down the, in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments press expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man taking the place of two so making peace that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility and he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. What did Christ preach? The gospel of peace. What is our message? Our message is the gospel of peace. How can we take that to a world divided and hostile? I want to remind you of a very famous passage. I probably won't quote it like they put it on the screen. It'll just have to come in mixed up memory from too many versions. (laughs) Do you have that problem? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through Him might be saved. This is the great motive of mission, love of God, our love joining his to take peace to a world in need. You know, if if I talk to people outside the church, often they feel condemned by believers and then strike back with charges of hypocrite And I want to remember, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That is not our calling. Their condemnation comes from the rejection of Christ, and that judgment will be made by God himself. Their condemnation comes from the law, not from me. I'm sent into the world to take the message that God sent And what does the passage say? Just to be clear, as the Father sent me. How did the Father send Jesus? God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He sent him in love to the world. Now, I'm not saying in love to be like the world or to take on the hostile thinking of the world or to enjoy the pleasures of the world or to be like them in their deception. That's not what we're saying. But to love them even as enemies. To love them even uh, in their hostility. God sent his son because he loved the world. Do you know what he calls us to do? Not to fix the world, not to condemn the world, but to take the gospel of peace. Now we can do that in so many ways, in in proclamation, in good works, in care, in tenderness, in peacemaking, in fellowships that show the unity of Christ across difficulties. I, I think that sometimes the church forgets its power. The power of the church is the gospel of peace. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, says Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The gospel is the power. The proclamation of the peace of God earned by the death of Christ to reconcile us to God and to each other that message empowered by a Holy Spirit is the hope of the world and Christ continues as the Father has sent me even so I'm sending you and when he had said this he breathed on them well if showing the scars wasn't odd if just appearing one weird enough and showing the scars was a little confusing now what does Jesus do <sighs> what, a rem- <laughs> what a remarkable evening <laughs> he breathes on them I-, I couldn't help but remember Genesis 2 where God breathed into Adam life and here jesus breathes into his disciples the holy spirit to seal them until pentecost when the spirit comes in power to help their hearts believe that he is alive and with them to open their minds to understand that the price had been paid and that jesus had brought peace He breathes on them. And then he says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you withhold the sins from any, it is withheld. Uh, If if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And uh, that is something he gives to the disciples as a whole with the message of reconciliation. This is not a personal power that one or two have. This is the power of the church to preach reconciliation and for people to believe and receive it or for people to reject and not listen and for that peace to be withheld. This morning uh, I want to close by asking you to consider being a peacemaker. Ask you to consider taking the gospel to those around you, both in your heart, because you have taken your list to God, have found some peace, and so you have something to share that is present and powerful in you. And as you can say with a clear conscience, God has given me peace. Let me tell you how. My heart is at peace. I'm no longer hungry and anxious and avoiding. Uh, God has given peace to my heart. Could I tell you how that works? You know, in the last, really, year, 18 months, the most remarkable thing has happened at Surge. People call and say, how do I become a missionary? Well, we keep track of folks. And we count those numbers. In COVID, twice as many people call. Our ability to send people is being strained. Do you know why? Because with all the disruptions, some are going back to Christ. Christ. Back to his call on their life, and they're finding there is peace. And they're remembering, he had a call on my life. I somehow forgot. Or they're suspecting, would God use me? And I, I don't know, but in a room this large, it may be there's someone here this morning that could ask that question reasonably Should I consider? not only being light and peace right here, which is everyone's calling, but it's God also calling me to take a different step, to step across cultures, to carry that message to even more difficult places. And if he is, I'd be glad to talk. If you suspect that, uh, you know, if you were to call Our office, they would simply listen and help you discern. Not all who who feel that call are supposed to go. Not all who want to make the first steps does God provide completion to. Uh, But taking those first steps, asking that question will do you no harm. It will do you no harm. And we would be your partners in that. And we're not the only ones. There are so many good groups. Maybe you know another one. And we would bless you in pursuing that as well. Well, this morning I've said peace twice. Peace to your heart. And peace to the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we ask that you would seal these things to our heart, that we indeed would know peace and be ministers of the gospel of peace. In Jesus' name, amen.